Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we went through those songs tonight, I pray in the name of Jesus that we caught the theme. By grace we are redeemed, and by grace we are restored. But that should help us, Lord, to walk freely with you, to walk differently than the world does. So tonight I pray, in the name of Jesus, as I go through what you've laid on my heart, that each person in this room, including myself, has this cemented in our hearts, Lord, that we don't earn a thing by walking well with you, but we bring you glory, and we live that life by your grace. Help us, Lord, tonight to capture what the Apostle Paul wrote so long ago, that it might help us to be more steady in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a seat, everyone. Well, welcome to Inside Out. It's nice to see you guys again. I've missed you a bunch through the holiday season. Happy New Year. Happy 2024, everyone. Um, so what I want to do is I'm going to start. I'm going to jump into this pretty quick tonight because we're running a little bit behind schedule, as always, because we do too much, right? I try to squeeze too much in. So anyway, what I want to do tonight is I'm going to start a new series for you guys. And I was praying and kind of trying to figure out what I could just kind of, all of us could launch into 2024 with a spiritual theme in our lives, not, not a New Year's resolution, but more of just a resolve. How's that? A spiritual resolve walking into the new year is what I kind of tried to get God to sort of show me something in scripture that might be a help to that. So tonight, we're not talking about resolutions, we're talking about resolve. A resolve because of what's been done to live a certain way, not to earn like we talked about, but to just walk to God's glory. And I pray that you guys catch that rhythm tonight. A lot of you are already doing this. A lot of you are already walking well with the Lord, but I never want to lose sight of the fact that why we do that. That's why I've titled this series that we'll go for the, the next couple of weeks of, the title is Worship More in 2024. That sounds kind of cheesy and kind of corny, I know, but I want you guys to realize tonight what we talk about is going to be a form of worship, but I want you guys to turn to your tables for a second, get to get, kind of get regrouped, if you will, and answer this question, what is your favorite form of worship? What is your favorite form of worship in your lives as you sit at your table? Talk about that for just a minute, and then we'll come back up to the front of the room. Okay, if I can have your attention back to the front of the room. So we have all sorts of different ways we can worship the Lord. We'll cover these in a few weeks over the next couple of weeks. Prayer, reading the Word, serving, um, all sorts of different. Music is a big one for everybody. Listen, look at me. I'll, hopefully God will help me with this, Okay. And I'm going to share this with you in case he forgets to tell me later on. I'm never going to tell you what kind of music you should or shouldn't listen to. I'm not going to tell you what kind of movies or television shows you should or shouldn't listen to. I will coach you. I will guide you. I will give you my opinion on things. But I want you to listen to God. Because I really believe if, if, if music is one for you, that that's your favorite form of worship, I want you to be very careful in life, to be very aware of the type of music you're letting into your life. Because if Christian music impacts you that way, 
I promise you secular music will impact you in the same way because that's something that ministers to your heart. And my wife and I talked about this the other day and you guys know this about me. I like ACDC music, but it's very bad for my spiritual health. Does that make sense? I love ACDC, I used to listen to them all the time, but when one of their songs even comes on, I change it right away because I know my life help or harm my relationship with Christ, right? And it's not good for my relationship with the Lord. But if music is something that impacts you, please hear my voice. Be very careful of the type of music that you allow into your ears and into your heart. Now, for me, this is a very important message. I love this part of the message. And I wanted to, I wanted to share this scripture with you out of Ephesians chapter four, which I'll read in just a second. But I didn't, I wanted to, but I didn't want to. And here's why. Because I never want anyone that hears the sound of my voice to be confused that we need to live a certain way to earn something from God. I never want you to mistake that. I never want you to think, Dan says I need to live a certain way because, God, because I get to earn God's love that way or I get to earn my way to heaven. I never want to hear you think your faith is about works. But our faith is about works. Our faith reveals our works. So I, I put this on your bulletin in the front of it. I put down on the front page, walk in worship. I want you to realize something. The decisions you make and how you live your life is a form of worship to one of three people on this earth. One is you. You walk the way you wanna walk so you think you're worthy of following. You're worthy of doing things your way. Two is the devil. And I'm gonna be very bold with you guys and I want this to be stark and stunning for you. When you live in sin, you are literally worshiping the devil and his ways. I'm not calling you a Satanist, but you're giving your choice, you're giving your free will over to someone who wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. So the way we walk, there is always, always, always some sort of worship, some form of worship involved in that. It's either me or the ways of the devil or Christ. And that's what I wanna look at tonight. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear to the Ephesian church, who were a bunch of Gentiles, and I'll get into that in a second, to begin with, but they met Paul, they started a church. He's not talking to the city of Ephesus in this. He's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. He is talking to us tonight. As we read this scripture, I pray that you put your name in place when Paul's talking to you tonight, because he's making it very clear this is what he's telling you to live like as a believer. He's telling you not to live a certain way, to turn away from that, and he's telling you to live a certain way. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul's go, Paul goes through the joy of being a Christian. I'm adopted, I'm, I'm, I'm a son of God, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, eight and nine, you guys know the scripture, I'm saved by grace. It's not by my merit, not that no man shall boast. I'm saved by the grace of God. All these different things that lay out who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and that should change. Paul expects that to change the way a person lives their life. Why? Because of what's been done. I never want you to think for a second you need to earn God's love by living a certain way. He loves you, period. It breaks his heart and it grieves the Holy Spirit when we don't live in a way that honors him, but he still loves you. That is one thing that I love about God is when I got saved, I realized I have a father in heaven who just loves me, no matter what. 
He even proved it. He didn't even just say it. He demonstrates it through the cross. So as we read this tonight, I really want you to get an idea that this is a form of my worship to the one who, worth, worship is really just worth-ship. Christ is worthy of our worship and worthy of the way I walk in worship. I hope you guys catch that. So turn to your bulletins. We're gonna read this and this is gonna be, I'm not gonna go through it real fast, but I'll be as brief as I can. I'm gonna stop along the way as I read this in just a couple of spots <clears throat> and share some thoughts with you guys. So Ephesians chapter four, verse 17 through 20, or 32. So it says here, so I tell you this. Now listen, I love how he puts this. So I tell you this, he's talking to the Ephesian church, he's talking to us, and insist on it in the Lord that you must, no, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in their futile, the futility of their thinking. Now watch, we're Gentiles. These Gentiles that Paul's talking about, are not, they're unsaved, unrepentant Gentiles. We're all Gentiles, and Gentiles simply somebody who's not a Jew. So we're all in this room Gentiles, okay? But we're redeemed Gentiles. If you're saved by the blood of Jesus, we're different. That's why Paul insists on this. They are darkened. So you can say worldly people, unsaved people, are darkened in their understanding and they are separate from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Listen, God is a responsive God. James chapter four, verse seven and eight, submit to God, resist the devil that he will flee, and God says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. I want you to hear how God writes that, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So in other words, if I don't draw near to God, and I walk away from him, he didn't go anywhere, but he's gonna respond in a way that's gonna allow me to harden my heart. Do you guys understand that? Hardening of my heart is me, not God. So when I walk, when I drift away from God, I get a hard heart. If I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. And I think the line up there is important because God's never gonna make you love him. So in other words, I have to draw near to God, then he responds to that drawing back to me. Why? Because he never wants to interfere with making me come to him. You're gonna come over here and you're gonna love me. God will never do that. He's gonna wait for you to go, Lord, I need you. And he goes, I'm right here with you. I'm right here. These guys' hearts are hardened because of what they're drifting away from God. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensual sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and all kinds of greed. In other words, this. They don't care about their sin. You ever see somebody who just relishes and celebrates their sin? Is just outward boastfully about it and doesn't care? That's who he's talking about. And they've lost all sensitivity is this. I want you to hear this because lepers in that day, I don't know if you guys have ever been around a leper, but a leper, this happens to them. They lose the nerve endings in their limbs. So they lose sensitivity to what it is. And if you look at a leper, they're, they're literally rounded off on their hands and their feet. They'll lose their toes, they lose their fingers because they wear them down. Because their nerve endings are gone, they don't feel that anymore. And if you don't, oh, that should scare... When I, when I learned this, it scared me to death to think about that, how I wouldn't have any feeling to God's conviction, how I'd have any feeling to, to the response of sin, to be brokenhearted because I've grieved God's heart. So when they've lost all sensitivity, they've lost all nerve endings when it comes to responding to God. They've chosen to completely walk away from him. 
Paul says, don't live like these guys. Do you realize? Watch this. This is the way the world lives. Even if somebody hasn't completely gone away and they haven't lost all sensitivity, we're following a pattern. We're worshiping a world that walks in a way that does do anything but honor God. So that's what Paul's talking about here. That, however, is not the way of life you've learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with the regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And I'll talk about the second, that putting off. To be made new in your attitude of your minds. Man alive, our attitudes make all the difference in the world. We'll talk about that in just a second. And so you put on the self of this, the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Watch this. Back earlier in chapter four of Ephesians, like verses one and two in chapter four of Ephesians, Paul talks about how we're supposed to walk in unity. We're supposed to walk in unity. This is a very individual way to live, but the individual way we live, Paul says, impacts the group. You guys have all seen kids in youth group, yes, that have showed up in this room. And I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart when students come in here and act like a Christian, say they're saved by the blood of Jesus, but yet go back to school and act a fool. Does that bother you? That should break our hearts when we see that kind of thing. That is not what we're supposed to be doing. And if we're all unified in Christ, when we go on our missions trips, that's a big thing for us to be unified, to be one body, one mind, which means what? We should all be walking a certain way. And when we don't walk a certain way, we're not unified anymore. So your walk matters to everybody else in this room. It makes a difference if we're supposed to be unified, as Paul says. So, members of one body, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing, let them steal no longer, but work hard, but must work, doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit, the, benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Pause. That word sealed is a very big deal doctrinally around the conversation in Christianity. I looked this word up, and I'm going to give you the exact definition of what he means to be sealed. It means, you guys ever seen a Louisville baseball bat? Where it has on the baseball bat, Louisville slugger sealed or stamped on. To be sealed literally means to be a seal set upon. It does not mean that as a Christian, the Holy Spirit gets stuffed in this bottle, if you will. God comes along and puts a seal on that, welds it shut, and it can never be taken off. That is not what that word means. That word literally means a seal like what this sign says on this bottle. That's what it means. So when you think about being sealed by God, it means that I have a seal upon me that makes me seem like a Christian. I am a believer in Christ. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But that idea of being able to, to break relationship with Christ still exists because I still have a free will. So that seal is upon my life. That seal doesn't trap my life. 
You guys following what I'm saying? And that is the definition in the Greek of what that word means to be sealed. We can talk more about that later on, but I wanted to make sure that you guys had another understanding of that word or a, a, I think a more accurate understanding of that word because it says we're sealed for the day of redemption. Now ask yourself this. Do you want the seal that God has placed on your life by the power of the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption? Do you want, to, do you want that seal removed? No. That's nuts, isn't it? We don't want that to happen. So we make sure we do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God because we have a seal put on us and that seal reminds me that I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what that seal's there for. So when I look at it, I can go, I look in the mirror, I see that seal on me. The seal that the Holy Spirit has put there for my day of redemption and I don't want to take it off. I don't want it to go anywhere. Does that make sense to you guys? And that's why we live the way we do. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every, every, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgiven you. Now let's break this down real quick. I want to look at three things tonight. Number one is to put off. What's Paul tell us to, as believers, as being redeemed, as being sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, what are we supposed to put off? And this putting off, I wanted to do this tonight, but I thought it'd be kind of corny. I wanted to come in with a black jacket on. And that black jacket would represent the old Dan. Do you realize I have a BC? You know that, right? I have a before Christ. I have a person that I don't want to go back to. You guys would not even want to talk to me if you knew the type of man I was back then. I have a BC. So I have this black jacket on, and now I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. So to put off means I literally have to take this jacket off. Take my, and I've heard it put this way, take my grave clothes off. I'm no longer dead in, in my sin. I take my grave clothes off and lay them to the side. Paul says, put that off. Get rid of that. And I want to make sure that you guys understand the old self is a sinful nature which is fueled, which fueled our old life. We're all born with a sinful nature because of our father Adam, okay? You have to realize when Paul says it this way in Romans 7, 15 through 20, he says, you guys know this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Ever been there as a Christian? I don't want to do this. Why do I keep doing this? Even the Apostle Paul, as an example, says, here's what it is. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say, it is not I doing it, but the sin living in me that is doing it. It's my response to the sinful nature that lives within me. Now, I think that sinful nature can be dealt with on this side of heaven by God. I don't have time to get into that tonight. But when you're living your life and you th keep thinking to yourself, why do I, Dan, why do I keep doing this? I don't want to do this anymore. I want to walk differently. Two things happen. You're choosing to worship your way. And you're letting this, your old, the old man, the Bible says, your sinful nature, you're letting that rule your life. And when I have a sinful nature, that means I'm very selfish. And do you guys realize sin is selfish? Sin is selfish in this, that I look and I go, I'm not gonna worship the Lord in this action, I'm gonna worship me. And I'm gonna do what I wanna do, and therefore I start to worship my sin. And my sin becomes more important than my Savior. Until my sin is destructive, which it always turns out to be, and then I'm like, oops, Jesus, save me again, or make it right, or I forgive me, right? But you gotta realize the sinful nature feeds that animal. So if we don't want to do that, we need to put off the old man. 
We gotta quit feeding my sinful nature, quit feeding the flesh, and realize, and when I, why, do I keep, why do I keep doing this? It's caused by my sinful nature, and watch, I am choosing my sin and my selfishness over my Savior. I'm worshiping my sin and myself instead of my Savior and my choices and the way I walk. Do you guys understand? That's why it's so important to be able to understand why do I walk this way? Put off, it says put it off once and for all and don't pick it up again. The book of Hebrews says let us lay aside the sin that so easily entangles me and don't pick it up again. You literally have to bend down, if you will, and pick up your sin. If I laid it aside like the book of Hebrews says, I've laid it aside because it entangles my walk with Christ and I'm walking along, I've gotta be going, oh wait, I wanna worship this. What's your form of worship? What's your positional form of worship? In your heart, it should be like this, should it not? So I have to literally bend down, worship me, pick up my sin, put it back on again and keep walking. And why do I do that? Because I'm choosing to worship my sin and myself rather than my savior. That's how that happens. Instead, be renewed in your mind daily. Romans 12, one and two, right? I offer myself up to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Lord, help me not to be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be renewed and transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's why you guys, it's so important to read your Bibles. It fuels me to live in the new way and keeps me from living in the old way. Why? Because my attitude is impacted by the renewing of my mind. And that, that attitude determines your attitude. Listen, you know this. Everybody gets attitudes, right? Good and bad. And when I have a bad attitude, it impacts the way I live, doesn't it? And think about your clothes. Ladies, you're probably worse at this than the guys are, but think about your clothes. Your clothes make you feel good, don't they? If you put on the right clothes, you, feel, you have more confidence, don't you? You feel good about yourself. I pay attention to what I wear. I pay a lot of attention to what I wear. On a Sunday morning or Wednesday night before I come and share with you guys, I wanna wear something I'm confident and comfortable in. So I put off what's not comfortable and the old, and I put on, Paul says, put on this, put on the new man, created in righteousness and holiness. So the second thing is, we put on the new man. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore, if any was in, anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, and let it be gone, people. You have a free will. You don't have to go back there. You don't have to sin. You're a new creation in Christ. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in your heart. Do you realize that? The same spirit that hovered over the water at the beginning and the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave dwells in you as a Christian when you're a new creation. And you're telling me I can't? It's that you won't. You won't stop sinning. It's not that you can't. You won't stop going back to the old man. It's not that you can't. Because you can, you have a free will and the power of the Holy Spirit and you're a new creation in Christ. You've taken and you've put on grace clothes. You've taken off your grave clothes because you were dead in your sins and trespasses. I've been brought from death to life. I've been born again by the grace of God. So now I put on my grace clothes. That's how all this works. And I hope you guys get the rhythm of how we walk in worship. Self or sin or savior. 
How are you walking in worship? And it's important that we understand that. The old man is stripped off and the new man is put on. And that act is inseparable. It happens like this, watch, like that. The old man's gone, I'm born again. Now I got my grace clothes on rather than my grave clothes. And now I begin to walk that way. The new man is this, the new life we receive in Christ. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, so then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, <clears throat> continue to live with him, continue to live your lives in him. Watch, drives me crazy. In and if are such big words in scripture. I live in him, which means I'm involved in a relationship with him. If I'm not involved in a relationship with him, I don't get to do this. So the little words in the scripture mean such big deals. To give your lives, the lives in him, rooted and built up, what? In him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So if you ever wonder, listen, just as a sarcastic little bit of an argumentative statement, I believe in eternal security. As long as I'm walking with the one who makes me secure, I'm in him. Do you guys understand that? And if I'm not in him, I don't have that same sense of joy and blessing and peace and security because I'm the one who's chosen to live outside of him for a minute. Doesn't mean I've lost my salvation. It does mean that I'm doing and making decisions that harm the relationship that I had in him. And if I'm worshiping him as I walk, I'm in him and I'm never gonna get lost and I'm gonna walk well with the Lord. Real quick, number three, I'm gonna let you guys most, read most of this on your own. I'm gonna get through this pretty quick. Verses 21 through 30, 25 through 31 say this. Paul says this, put off and put on. I love the apostle Paul because he just doesn't say, don't do that and leave you. He says, don't do that, do this. And listen, big words, you ready? Big theological words tonight. If in and have to and get to. I don't have to live this way get to live this way. I don't have to not lie. I get to tell the truth because it honors God. Whole different what? Mindset and attitude. Ah, I have to do this. I don't, I don't want to do this. I have to read my Bible, Dan? Really? No. You get to read your Bible. Whole new mindset, whole new attitude, and you will walk with more joy in your life that way. Paul says, don't lie. Instead, choose to speak what's truth. Christians should be controlled by truth. As believers, we should speak truthfully to each other. Watch this now. If we're living in unity, watch as he goes through this. If we're gonna live in unity, think about this. If I'm lying to Peyton all the time, how, how good's our relationship gonna be? If I'm lying to Peyton all the time, does that impact this group, this group's unity? You better believe it does. One person does. One person has the power to break or, or heal, one of the two. So you gotta make sure you're doing that. Be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Anger in itself is not sin. Well, how do we know that? Because God gets angry, and God doesn't sin, but he gets angry, and you gotta realize that he doesn't tell us to avoid anger. He tells me not to sin in my anger, and sinning in my anger is something that's selfish. Sinning in my anger is I'm gonna harm you. I wanna hurt you. I'm gonna lash out at you. I wanna be angry with you and make a difference. Sinful anger versus sinless anger is this. The old self would use anger selfishly to get its way. The new self gets angry over the things that anger God. Sin, unholiness, 
These things anger God. That's what should anger me. He says, hate evil and love good. I hate evil and I love good. But here's the deal. Even the anger, even me being angry about what angers God, or if I get angry how I stay out of my sin, is not to let it dwell. I don't let my anger linger. My dad was horrible at this. My dad would make a comment and he would, he would be angry with us forever. He'd never let it go. So you don't do that. Don't steal. Instead, work hard to give to the needy. Why don't we steal and we work hard to give to the needy? Don't, let, don't use corrupt language. Instead, speak what is good for building others up. Watch. Your mouth and your heart are connected. Your mouth and your heart are connected. If you're using corrupt language, and this isn't vulgar language he's talking about. These aren't cuss words. These are words that tear people down. Proverbs 18, 21 says there's life and death in the tongue and you, those that love it will eat of its fruit. You're gonna eat the fruit of whatever you're speaking in someone's life, be it life or death. And there's power in our tongue and we gotta make sure that we don't do that. Do you really believe, and I'm gonna turn you over with this last thought. See, we should expect ourselves to speak differently and use different language after we're saved. Language that edifies, language that builds up, doesn't tear down. Not vulgar language, I'm talking about words that make a difference to build someone up. Because you think about it, changed heart, changed speech. If you're having trouble with this, you're gossiping and tearing people down, it's not your words that you need to pay attention to, it's your heart. Psalm 141, David says, Lord, set a guard over my mouth and my lips. Ask God to do that if you're challenged with this, but it's always out of the overflow of your heart. Talk in your small groups and we'll wrap it up here in a few minutes. But I want us to have a, a confession tonight as we leave this place. I want us to have a song that we can sing that we look back on tonight that we might have made a commitment tonight in this message and a deeper worship in God that I want to worship you more in 24. And I want to play a song called Build My Life. Most of you will know this song. If you want to stand, sing, you can do that. If you want to sit and pray, you can do that as well. But I want you guys in the next few minutes just to take a second and listen to God's voice and have a conversation with God, not to make a resolution with him, but to have more resolve, to have more worship in your walk as he builds your life going forward in 24. So Corey, if you play that last song and then we'll close. If we put our trust in him and we walk in worship this year and we stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, this group will be unified more than ever. And when you feel like you're shaken and you get, you get wobbly in your walk, I want you to come talk to one of your leaders and we'll help you just refocus, get your eyes back on Christ, get your worship in your walk where it needs to be and we will do well in 24 going forward. And we can live a life of Christ and walk well in worship and not be shaken because we're standing on the rock that is our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. Man, Lord, I'm so grateful for your word and just the clarity they would get from what the Apostle Paul told the Ephesians not to live like, but how to live well with you. May this be a group, including myself, that walks in worship going into this next year more surrendered and more committed to you than ever before and we'll do it not to earn your love but because of your love and we'll do it by your enabling grace and let us do it to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you're dismissed everyone. Have a great night.